Hello, Patriots. Welcome to episode 45 of the Patriot Review. We are taking this week yet, this is part two of our Faith, Hope, and Freedom uh, two-part episode. We had last week uh, an excellent interview, and I hope you, you caught that. If you're interested in life after death or near-death experiences, you want to go back and check that one out. For this one, we have two great gentlemen that are going to continue along the the line, the topic line that we were really talking about, and that is, you know, uh, having faith, having having hope, and fighting for freedom. Now we talk a lot about political issues, and anybody who says that they don't like talking about political issues, uh, you can answer back to them and say, well, if we don't talk these things through, if we don't stand up today for our freedoms, we won't have anything to talk about in the upcoming future. And we already see all the things that are going on, but. We'll get back to that next week. Now, this week, as I said, we have two great guests for you. Both of them are, are inspiring gentlemen, and I'll leave it at that for now. What I want to get to real quick is that you can join us this coming Friday, the 10th at 7 p.m. for a conversation, a meet and greet. You can go to our webpage, and if you scroll down, you'll see the same graphic right here. If you click on that, you you can uh, schedule to be part of that event. Now that's free. You have to sign up as a as a member on the website, but that is also free. So you can go ahead and just click on that and you'll be good to go. So again, that's Friday, December 10th, seven o'clock. Just a reminder, two, a couple things. Number one, if you wanna send in a 30 second clip to a one minute clip, just talking about you know, why you're a patriot, why you're fighting for America, send that to redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com. That's redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com. You can send that in. And also, if you want to use the same address, send in with the subject line black flag. I'll put you in a drawing for a real about three by five traditional American flag, but in black. And that basically stands for fighting the fight, taking no prisoners. And of course, we don't mean violently. We mean that we're going to use the legal means at our disposal to continue to ensure our freedom. So again, redbloodedpatriots at protonmail.com. So check that out. So right now I'm going to go into the first interview and I'll be back just a, a little bit after. Uh, I think it's like 22 minutes. So we'll check it out right now. I'm happy to welcome Mr. Terry Tucker to the Patriot Review. Terry is a person where I've read his bio, and the whole theme of, of this show is this time of year and how to persevere through difficulties and how to have faith. Looking at Terry's bio, and Terry, you have had the quintessential roller coaster life, some some very high highs and some low lows, and you you talk in your bio about how you persevere through that. So I will turn it over to you and I will let you introduce yourself and uh, I will follow your lead as far as uh, the direction of what we want to talk about today. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. Um, I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest version <laughs> of, of my bio. So right. you, you can't tell this from looking at me, but I'm six foot eight inches tall. I was born and raised in Chicago. I'm, I'm one of three boys. Uh, and basketball was always a big part of our life. And I went to college at the Citadel in Charleston, South Carolina, despite 
having three knee surgeries in high school, and I actually got a scholarship to play basketball down there. When I graduated from college, I moved home to find a job. I'm really gonna date myself now, but this was long before the internet was available to find a job. And I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. So I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. And, you know, I look back now and realize kind of what a knucklehead I was to think that I knew anything about business just because I had a degree. Fortunately, I was able to find that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the hamburger chain in their marketing department. But unfortunately, I ended up living with my parents for the next three and a half years as I helped my mom care for my father and my grandmother who were both dying of different forms of cancer. In terms of my professional career, um, I had that first job at Wendy's, then I became a hospital administrator, and then I did a, a really big pivot and became a police officer and worked undercover narcotics for three and a half years. I was a SWAT team hostage negotiator. Uh, I started my own school security consulting business, coached girls high school basketball, was a motivational speaker, uh, became an author last year. But for the last nine years, I've kind of considered myself a cancer warrior as I've battled this very rare form of melanoma. And then I guess to wrap it up, my wife and I have been married for 28 years. We have one child, a daughter, who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is uh, an officer in the new branch of the military, the Space Force. And you talk about all those things as if, you know, they're just kind of standard run-of-the-mill things, and that certainly isn't the case. So so first off, you know, you, know, you, um, you talked about uh, seeing cancer before you had it and taking care of um, your grandparents and, and helping in that regard. Um, so this time of year, people, I think, especially feel the absence of having people that they love in their lives, and sometimes those those people are are gone, uh, having passed away from a disease like cancer or uh, an accident. For example, I just had uh, a, a lady who is our youngest daughter's uh, godmother lost her 24-year-old from a zipline accident. So this time of year is especially difficult for people, and you, you know, it's some of the stuff sounds awesome. First of all, six eight, you know, not only could you easily dunk the ball, but you could like lift the backboard off its mount, right, with no problem, staying flat-footed. So, sure, go with that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, you've had some really cool, some really cool highs. So I don't know where to start, but I guess what I'd like to start with is. You, like so many people, and maybe your cases are maybe your case is a little bit more to uh, a little bit a little bit larger scale or or higher level or whatever. But everybody has their own experience in life, and all of us have to start over one or usually many times. Um, so when you reach those very difficult times, how did you? First of all, tell me about that experience. Were you uh, the typical person who wallowed in a little bit of self-pity at first, or how did you approach that, and what, where do you think you got that from? Yeah, I think, you know, we're all going to experience pain or difficulty or uncomfortableness in our lives. You know, pain is inevitable, and it doesn't have to be, you know, something like my like cancer pain or a chronic illness or something like that. 
it could be something simple like you you know you you flunk a test at school or you break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or you don't get the promotion at work that you think you deserve pain is inevitable but suffering that's optional suffering is what you do with that pain do you take it and use it to make you a stronger and tougher and more determined individual or do you wallow in it and want you know people to feel sorry for you and feel sorry for yourself now I mean, you're looking at me right now. There's no S on my chest. I'm not wearing a cape here. So, you know, I'm a human being. I, I have bad days during this cancer journey. You know, I cry, I get yeah. down, I get depressed. But I also realize that there, there are actually, when, when I get in that situation, there are two stories that I remember. One was a, this was a, a professor at Johns Hopkins University back in the 1950s who did an experiment with rats. And all he did was he took rats and he put them in a tank of water that was over their head. He wanted to see how long they could tread water before they would sink and drown. And the average rat treaded water for about 15 minutes. And just as they were about ready to go under, he grabbed them, pulled them out, dried them off, and let them rest for a while. And then he put them back in that exact same tank of water. And the second time around, those rats treaded water on average for 60 hours. Wow. Think about that. 15 wow. minutes the first time. That's all I can do. I'm done. I'm going to I'm going to drown. Second time, 60 hours, which says to me the two things. One, the importance of hope in our lives. We've got to have hope. We've got to believe that there's something better for us if we keep moving forward. And two, just how much more our physical bodies can handle. I, I have a friend of mine who is a former Navy SEAL. And he talks about the 40% rule, which kind of dovetails in with this story of the rats. And what that says is, you know, when the seals are at the end of their rope, they can't, you know, run another lap or run another mile or swim another lap or do another push-up. They're only at 40% of their maximum, and they still have 60% left to give to their to themselves. So if you ever get in that situation where it's like, you know, yeah, man, this is tough. This is hard. You know, whether it's you know, and, and we both know life owes you absolutely nothing. You know, you can feel right. sorry for yourself. You can go through all this stuff. But you know what? Life doesn't owe you a thing. If you want something in life, you got to figure out what that is and you got to go get it. You got to make it happen for yourself because it's not going to come to you. You've got to go get it. So I think from that perspective, you know, yes, I've gotten down in my life. But when that happens, I remember those two stories and it just picks me up and I'm like, all right, I got to keep moving forward. Well, that's interesting. You know, you, you're talking about the Navy SEALs in, in particular, the, uh, the the number of, of people who go and try to be a Navy SEAL who actually succeed isn't very high. And it just, it illustrates, I think both of those stories illustrates the power of the mind. And, and uh, I guess my question for you is now, if I'm looking at this on the outside and I'm, I'm pessimistic about it, I would say, well, how does a person flip that switch? How does a person who normally isn't a positive person or who, or who just doesn't quite understand how to flip that switch within themselves, um, what kind of advice would you give to that person? So when I was back in high school, I had three knee surgeries. I mentioned that, you know, before I went on to college to play basketball. And when I went back playing, my mind started putting all this negative garbage in my head like you know hey you had these surgeries you're probably a step slower and college coaches aren't going to want to recruit you because you've had these surgeries 
And, you know, I was like, no, wait a minute. I'm still playing at an elite level, and coaches are still contacting me about playing for their, their college or their university. So I think the first thing you need to do is recognize that these thoughts are coming into your head. And, and I've read several articles that says that, you know, we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts in our brain in any particular day. So you have to recognize that those thoughts are there. And then you have to flip the switch. You have to change the narrative to something positive. And if you're a negative, pessimistic person, you can't just say, hey, I'm going to be positive starting today. You can say that, but it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be like, okay, today I'm positive. Yesterday I was negative. You have to realize that those thoughts are there and you have to change that narrative into something positive. And the more you do that, eventually you'll get to the point where only, not only, but a lot more of the good will start coming into your brain. You know, if, if you think about it, our brains can hold one thought at a time. Why would you make that a negative thought? You know, I think back to college when, you know, guys would go out and party the night before a big test and they would come in to the exam and they're, I mean, what do they always say? Oh, man, I'm going to blow this. You know, I, yeah, I mean, I was yeah, partying yeah. all night. I'm going to blow. Why would you say that to yourself? Why would you right. at least give yourself the benefit of the doubt and say, I paid attention in class. Yeah, mm -hmm. I went out partying last night. But you know what? I'm going to do great on this test. Because if you go into it with that negative aspect, and I, I've had people come up to me and say, Terry, I could never go through your nine-year cancer journey. I could never do that. Right. And my response is usually something smart alecky like, yeah, you're right. You couldn't because you've already decided in your head yeah. that there's no way you could do this. So it's all how you want to approach it. If you want to approach it, yes, I'm going to do this. Yes, I'm going to give myself the best chance of being successful. You're probably going to be successful versus, you know what? There's no way I can do this. I'm going to blow this. My advice to you on that would be like, don't even start because you've already just defeated yourself before you even got out of the gate. I have, it's funny that you explained it that way because uh, when I was in college, my grandmother passed away. So I missed, I used to have a, uh, a night class that was one of those three hour, three hour long classes and you covered quite a bit of material. So after that, I came back to college and I walked into that night class and discovered we had a test that night. And I, you know, I just didn't follow up on anything. So I came back and, but I resigned, I just kind of uh, said, you know, well, is what it is i'm just going to give it a shot and uh i think that is the test that i probably scored highest in in that class just because of, you know just because of uh of my attitude towards that and i think that a lot of people say it this way that it's kind of like you put something out into the universe and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and you can either put out negative thoughts or you can put out you know positive thoughts and um i haven't i haven't quite figured out if that is true from the standpoint of at what point does it become too much? I think everybody has to go through the grieving process, for example. Everybody has to go through, you know, I'm sure what you did when when you first found out you had cancer, I'm sure it scared the heck out of you. And you were, you know, so at what point in time do you catch yourself and, and decide to, to actually flip that switch? At what point in time is it too much? You know. Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I guess I, I, from my perspective, you know, when, when I found out I had cancer, I, I was a high school basketball coach, girls high school basketball coach in Texas, and I had a callus break open on the bottom of my foot. And, you know, being a coach, you're on your feet a lot. So I didn't yeah. initially think too much of it. 
But when it didn't heal after a couple of weeks, I went to see a podiatrist friend of mine, a foot doctor, and he took an x-ray and he said, Terry, I think you have a little cyst in there and I can cut it out. And he did. And he showed it to me. It was just a little gelatin sack with some white fat in it. No, no blood, no dark spots, nothing that we would associate with cancer, but he sent it off to pathology anyway. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, I get the call from him. And as I said, he was a friend. And the more difficulty he was having telling me what was going on, the more frightened I was becoming until he just laid it out. He said, Terry, I've been a doctor for 25 years. I have never seen this form of cancer. You have a rare form of melanoma that appears on the bottom of the feet or the palms of the hands. Now, I went through all the stages of grief that have been written about uh, ad nauseum, you know, the the bargaining, the denial, the, you know, getting mad, you know, asking God. And I went through all that. And then I was like, you know what? These are the cards that I've been dealt. Yes, would I like a different set of cards? Absolutely. But these are the cards that I've been dealt, and I need to play them. And I need to play them to the best of my ability. You know, it kind of goes back to that old saying of, you know, embrace the suck. Yes, this sucks, but I'm going to embrace that suck. And I I remember another, uh, Winston Churchill, the prime minister of Great Britain, uh, during World War II had a great saying. He said, if you're going through hell, keep going. And I kind of felt like that's the where, that's where I was. You know, I'm yeah. going through hell, but I'm not stopping. I'm just going to keep going and see where this takes me. Yeah. So, um, given given where you're at today, um, I don't know how old you are. I'm 54. I think I'll, I'm 61. All, all people go through this. What am I here for? You know, what's my purpose? What's my legacy? Um, how would you describe what you view as your purpose right now? I think my purpose now is certainly different than my purpose, you know, like when I graduated from college. I mean, I wanted to be a police officer. My grandfather was a Chicago police officer from 1924 to 1954. So was was a cop in Chicago during Prohibition when alcohol was outlawed in the United States, during the Great Depression, you know, the late 20s, early 30s, and during the, the gangs, you know, the Capone and all those guys shooting up the town. And he was actually shot in the line of duty with his own gun. And my dad always remembered the stories my grandmother told about the knock on the door of, you know, Mrs. Tucker, grab your son and come with us. Your husband's been shot. And when I said, you know, I'd like to go into law enforcement, my dad was like, oh, no, no, no. You're going to go to college. You're going to major in business. You're going to get out. You're going to get a great job, get married, have 2.4 kids and live in this. (laughs) My dad had my whole life planned out, but it was the life my dad wanted me to live. So. When I graduated from college, I had a choice. Do I go blaze my own path and say, sorry, dad, I'm going to go be a cop? Or do I, out of you know, love and respect for my father, say, okay, I'll go into business. And you know, I sort of half jokingly say I did what every good son did. I waited till my dad passed away. And then I followed my dreams of becoming a police officer. So you, know, you can kind of understand my resume now. Yeah. My first two jobs were in business, and that was out of respect you know, for my father. And I'm sure a lot of people experience that in their lives. Somebody's, you know, here, here's the life I want you to live. Well, you have to find out the purpose that that God put you on this earth. You know, we're not all born with the same gifts and talents, but we all have the ability to be the best person that we're capable of becoming. And I think that goes right into um, today's political climate and the attack on freedom in our country. you know, that, that goes, I think, right to the heart of that. And I think a lot of people are, are afraid. 
Um, don't know what, what to do for sure. But basically, I think what your answer was is that your purpose can change. And I happen to have the same experience you do, only it was my mother who worked back in factories all her, all her life. She's still alive, but same thing. You know, you got to go to college, uh, all, all four of us. I have three brothers. You got to go to college. You know, that's the only, that's the only way to succeed. So, so we all did that. Um, but if I would have had my way, I would have stayed in music. I played guitar and I would have just done that. So I've done that as a hobby all along, but my purpose has changed. So, you know, now I did the corporate America thing for 30 years and now I'm doing this and it's completely different, you know? Um, so I think that the, it, you, you never know what life is going to throw you. And for everybody out there that's watching this, I mean, um, it's, you, you figure out your strengths and how you can apply them to something that you're passionate about. And uh, it sounds like that's what you've been doing as well. And you've, you've gone into some pretty different things. I mean, when you look at uh, college and business and basketball uh, and then being a, uh, on a SWAT team, <laughs> those, those two things are completely different. So how have you, what have you looked towards to guide you through that? I mean, what are you following your passions, passions in each case that changed or what was it that made you take the directions in life you did? Yeah, I, I certainly think that I followed my passions. I, I think I've, you know, looked for the reason that God put me here. You know, here are my talents. And, and I guess maybe I should back up a little bit. You know, a lot of times we talk about our, our purpose or our why in life as being our job. It doesn't have to be. You know, your job could right. be this is what you do over here to make money, but your purpose is to write or to paint or to volunteer or, or whatever is in your heart that you think you should do. And I think as long as you continue to search for, you know, your purpose, your passion, your why with your heart, you're eventually going to find it. And, you know, I, I've been asked, you know, how do you know? And I, I said, well, you know, when you get up in the morning and you can't wait to go do whatever it is you feel your purpose is, yeah, that's, that's probably yeah, that's, your purpose. But indicator. on the other hand, yeah, yeah, you know, if you're like, oh, gosh, I got to get up and do. Yeah, that's probably not your purpose, because I think your purpose will energize you, will <laughs> <clears throat> excuse me, well, you know, will make you feel like you just, you know, it's, it's that old saying, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm going to mess up the saying, so I'm not even going to say it, but, you know, you don't want to, you want to get to a point where you're doing something that you love. And when you're doing something with you, that you love, I mean, you'll do anything. You'll, you'll work, you know, 50 hours a day if you could and things like that to get that done. And again, your purpose changes. You know, mine was I wanted to be in law enforcement, but, you know, I had to kind of defer that until my father passed away. Today, my purpose is, in all honesty, to put as much goodness, positivity, motivation, love back into the world as I possibly can with whatever time that I have left. And I have tumors in my lungs that more than likely are not going to go away. And probably will eventually take my life, but I don't worry so much. You know, I mean, when I die, how I die, where I die, way above my pay grade. So I don't spend a lot of time worrying about that. Well, that's a, that's a, a fantastic attitude to have. And I think that the, the people who are watching this, um, I think that they desire to have that same strength if they don't. I think that a lot of guys, it's, it's to me, you know, I can't, obviously can't speak for women, but I think a lot of guys, they, they do, their whole identity kind of switches. You know, when we're first 
doing jobs to work our way through college or whatever. I mean, our job is completely a secondary thing and that's how we view it. But then, then when you graduate and especially if you have a family and buy a house and your, your job is, it's really easy to let your job become your whole identity where, and you, you can, uh, you know, this is you. If the first time you meet somebody, one of the first things you tell them is what you do for a living. Then that is an issue. That's a problem because, uh, that's that's who you are and that that i think men tend to lose a lot if they go down that path so it's interesting that you said that the way you said that um so yeah i I knew police officers you know that were cops for 35 40 years and couldn't retire because their whole identity was tied to that gun and that badge it's like look i mean your experience you can do anything you want it's that's not who you are i you know i i had my foot amputated and my leg amputated and I had a nurse recently ask me, you know, what's that like? You know, how how was that for you? I'm like, well, it hasn't been easy. It's been kind of difficult to learn to walk again. I'm still trying to do that. I said, but you know, cancer can take all my physical faculties, but cancer can't touch my heart, it can't touch my mind, and it can't touch my soul. And that's who we are. This is just a facade or a house or a vessel or whatever you want to call it to house who we really are. Yeah, we're we're uh, spiritual beings having a having a physical experience, and and that's completely the reverse of of most people who think that we're physical beings beings with uh, having somewhat a spiritual experience or at, at times. Uh, so you, uh, not in this interview so far, but off offline, you talked about uh, or wrote about having four truths. Would you share those? Sure, I'd be happy to. I, these are these are four things that I kind of look at as sort of the the bedrock of my soul. To be honest with you, there are things that you know I make decisions on and and things like that based on these things. And and I have them on a post-it note sitting right here on my desk. And they're there's just one sentence. And the first one we've kind of talked about it already. It's control your mind or it will control you. And that goes back to the the story that I gave about having knee surgery and what my brain was putting into my mind. The second one is embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use that pain and difficulty to make us stronger and more determined individuals. You know, our brains are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort. So it's natural for us to want to get away from any kind of pain or discomfort that we have. But what I'm suggesting is just the opposite. Instead of running from it, use it, flip it inside, burn it as fuel, use it as energy to make us better individuals. That's the second one. The third one is more of a, I guess, a legacy truth, for lack of a better uh, word for it. And, And it's this, what we leave behind is what we weave in the hearts of other people. So I always ask people, you know, think about what people are going to say about you at your funeral. And that doesn't mean you have to live your life based on what other people are going to say. You have to live a life that's true to you. But what will people say at your funeral? And, you know, what would your ancestors be proud of the life that you have lived so far? So that's number three. And then number four, pretty self-explanatory, as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. You know, I, I look at that. You know, the pain that I've experienced through this cancer journey, it, you know, it, it's going to end someday. I mean, it may end through medication. It may end through surgery. Quite frankly, it may end when I die. But if I quit, if I give up or I give in to pain, 
pain will always be a part of my life. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great, uh, those are all great points. Um, the legacy question I keep telling, <laughs> I keep telling my guests and my viewers are probably sick of it, but uh, my realization for me personally, and it is a very personal thing, uh, legacy, uh, my, my brother is very big into um, genealogy and has gone back very far. And, and what that made me realize is that you're pretty quickly forgotten that, you know, a few generations, three generations, four generations, whatever. So my, my choice has been to focus on uh, preserving freedom and being part of this effort to, to keep the United States what it was intended to be. And, uh, and I think that's a great gift to pass on. And, and uh, but but so is affecting as much as many people as you can in a positive manner. And your message is an awesome message because it's one of those things that you probably will never really know the impact, but you know that the impact is good. And so I, I really think that your positive message is important, especially this time of year. Uh, you know, it's tough. And the past few years, what we've been through with COVID and everything else, it's even more important. How can I don't know, how can people get a hold of you or uh, invite you to speak or just uh, learn more about you? So I, I have a, a blog called Motivational Check and every day I put up a, a new thought for the day and with that thought comes a little question just to kind of get you to think about it and how it applies to your life. On Mondays, I put up the Monday morning motivational message, which is usually a video or a longer story. Uh, so you, you can you can get to me through motivationalcheck.com. You can leave me a message. You can get access to my social media sites. You can get access to my book. Pretty much everything, Terry Tucker, you can get through motivationalcheck.com. Okay. I will put that link in the description. Um, and folks, if you're watching this on the live stream, that actual description is modified after the live, screens, uh, live stream. So you have to come back. But uh Terry, it's been a pleasure to talk with you today, and I would like to have you back. We'll uh, hopefully work something out where we can get you back and talk about talk more and go into more detail about some of these things. And um, again, thank you for being here. It's been a pleasure. I'm going to just give you some time here to close out as you wish and uh, share anything more you'd like to share with us. Well, Jeff, thank you for having me on, and, and I'll leave you with this story. Um, I've always been a big fan of Westerns growing up. My mom and dad used to let me stay up and watch, you know, Wild Wild West and Gunsmoke and things <laughs> yeah, like you that. Yeah, you know, yep. I mean, the great stuff. And 1993, the movie Tombstone came out and it starred Val Kilmer as a man by the name of John Doc Holliday and Kurt Russell as a man by the name of Wyatt Earp. Now, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp were two living, breathing human beings who walked on the face of the earth. They're not made up characters for the movie. And Doc was called Doc because he was a dentist by trade, but pretty much he was a card shark and a gunslinger. Mm -hmm. And Wyatt had been a lawman his entire life. And these two men from entirely divergent backgrounds formed this very close friendship. And at the end of the movie, Doc is dying at a sanitarium in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. And the real Doc Holliday died at that sanitarium. He's buried in the Glenwood Springs Cemetery. It's about actually three hours from my house. And Wyatt at this point in his life is destitute. He has no money, he has no job, he has no prospects for a job. So every day he comes to play cards with Doc and the two men pass the time that way. And in this scene, they're talking about what they want out of life. And Doc says, you know, I was in love with my cousin once, but she joined a convent over the affair. 
but she's all that I ever wanted. And he looks at Wyatt and he says, what about you, Wyatt? What do you want? And Wyatt says, you know, I just want to lead a normal life. And Doc looks at him and says, there's no normal, there's just life. And get out there and live yours. You know, Jeff, you and I probably know people that are sitting back with like, you know what, when this happens, I'll have a normal life. When that happens, I'll have a successful life. When this happens, I'll have an influential life. What I'm saying is don't wait. Don't wait for life to come to you. Get out there, find the reason that God put you on the face of this earth and live that reason. Because if you do, I'm gonna promise you two things at the end of your life. You're gonna be a whole lot happier and you're gonna have a whole lot more peace in your heart. That's awesome, don't waste your life on wishes. Uh, one of my favorite movies, by the way, Val Kilmer <laughs> was absolutely awesome in that character. I love that movie. I love, That's uh, great movie. I love Westerns and like you, I grew up on Gunsmoke. I actually watch Gunsmoke now to, actually it makes me feel closer to my dad. It, it's like he's right here watching it with me, so. Again, thank you so much, and uh, uh, give the website again before we go, please. It's motivationalcheck.com. Awesome. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. It really was an honor to talk with Terry. I tell you, he is a guy who has gone through a lot in his life, as you heard, and he has a great message, and I think about that, and I just know that I have to try to continue to be more like him and to look at things more like him. I think if you're out there and you're going through hard times and you know everybody knows that Christmas is the worst time of year as far as suicides, if that's you, uh, this show should give you a little bit of uh, inspiration and please go, go find some help. Um, Terry, I hope to have back. He definitely is an inspiration. He's been through a lot and he has that great attitude and you have to respect a person like that and I'm really, proud to actually have had him on my show. So please check Terry out. Again, I will put the link for his website uh, in the description of the show, but it's uh, motivationalcheck.com and it's motivationalcheck.com. And we're gonna take a quick break here and then we'll be back with the Kilroy, Kilroy Williams interview. I can talk. He is another great guy to talk to and we'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Season's greetings, my fellow patriots. Why not give the gift of reading this Christmas, either to yourself or somebody you love? Patriot Review contributor, retired Captain Robert Firth, has opened his Santa bag full of books. You can choose four ebooks for the price of one. That's four ebooks for $9.50. Use the code SANTA at checkout. Go to redbloodedpatriots.com and check them out today. Hello Patriots, would you like to become part of the Patriot Army? You can do so by going to our website and clicking on the Become a Patron button top left of the screen. You then can select your membership level. Also on our website, on the top right hand side, you'll notice a Download Our App button. This app will enable you to keep in touch with the Patriot Review on a constant basis. You'll also be able to interact with our forum and chat with other members. We hope to see you there, and thank you for your support. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, 
and with the beasts of the earth. Hey Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Hello, sunshine. It's time to kick ass and take names. Check out redbloodedpatriots.com. Subscribe and join the growing community of patriots. Yes, that is actually my face superimposed over Clint Eastwood's, one of my heroes. Uh, He definitely looked a lot better than I do, but... That was fun, and I just want to remind you about the MyPillow.com code TPR. Um, I do seriously have a lot of MyPillow products. As a matter of fact, I'm wearing the slippers as we speak, and they're awesome. All of the all of the products from MyPillow are excellent quality, and you can count on that. TPR, again, gets you up to 66% off, so head on over to MyPillow.com today. Right now, we're going to go into the second interview, Um, another great gentleman, an awesome interview. Had a lot of fun with both of these, and both these gentlemen are an inspiration. So without further ado, this next gentleman is Kilroy Williams. He's the podcast host of the Kilroy Williams Show, um, I think primarily on Spotify. So you'll know where to go. I'll have a link also in the description. I'll update it after the show. Here we go. I'd like to welcome a very special guest, a gentleman who I have talked to over and gotten to know a little bit better over the past uh, month or two, Mr. Kilroy Williams of the Kilroy Williams Show. Welcome to the show. I know you're on uh, your your podcast right now is on Spotify, Apple. You said all the all the major uh, all the major platforms, but it's awesome to have you here today. We got a good topic and um, a rather positive one. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate you inviting me. It's good to talk to you again. Absolutely. You're welcome anytime. We, uh, Gilroy, we are facing some very difficult times in this country, and actually the, the, the whole Western civilization, the globe, is facing these difficult times. But um, what I want to talk to you about today is something that I know your show centers largely on, and that is uh, Christ- the Christian faith. Uh, and for today, I want to talk about why Christians and how Christians can can gain some hope during these times. So, uh, tell me, what what have you been noticing? What kind of conversations have you been having? What what kind of feedback have you been getting with everything that's going on today? Well, it, when it all started with the uh, the virus, um, a lot of panic, a lot of fear. And I saw a lot of division in the church. Uh, People were the ones that agreed to take the jab um, and get treatment um, were kind of dividing a little bit, I saw. And um, families were dividing. So fear set in. And I think I think as believers, they were forgetting about uh, what the Lord says, trusting him. and, um, And that's how we can get our hope is by trusting in him. And I, I just 
from the conversations that I've had with several friends and even family, um, I was, you know, getting a little concerned about it because, you know, that's not the way God wants the church to be. And, um, but I think now we're starting to see that change a little bit. Um, but there's still a lot of people who are out there who are wondering about hope. And, and within that, they have a lot of fear. And I think a lot of that is that people, uh, um, you know, just, just human and they forget about it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think the church itself has forgotten uh, teaching that um, yeah. when, this, when, the, when, this, when this panic started, you know. Yeah. And, and I, you, have to, you have to look at the, the country in total and realize also that each state, is experiencing experiencing things slightly differently. You know, the the response when Trump was in office, you know, he said and he followed his word, which he always always does, uh, which was, you know, I'm gonna leave it up to the governors to decide what needs to be done. Um, but we've seen everything from all out fascism uh, in the in the blue states to it, to really resisting the feds from the red states and it's no surprise that even the churches are divided what do you think about the the pastors ministers priests role and how do you think they have been really performing or not performing i'm disappointed i really am um well, you saw it when it first started out in 2020. What did they do? Majority of them gave up and just agreed to shut the doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't. This is my just my personal opinion. I just don't think that, that. I think that they should have just, you know, fought against that because, and I think the Lord would want that too. You know, it's His house; it should be open. Um, but again, I think that's where fear set in, and I think the leaders forgot about that. Um, the founding fathers. The founding fathers certainly made it clear that it doesn't matter if there's a pandemic. The First Amendment, the Constitution still stands, and we've we've seen that attacked. But but what it comes down to for me, and I want to want you to chime in on this, it, it always comes down to doesn't matter who the leaders are; they're human as well. And what it really comes down to is a question of personal faith, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It has all to do with faith. It, it sure does. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, the, the, the pastors and leaders of the church, they're only human, you know, and, and, and I'm sure they were caught off guard with a lot of things. Um, I, I also feel, too, that some of those churches are the 501c3. They're kind of they're kind of afraid to do anything. Yes. Uh, they're kind of afraid to speak up. They're letting the government control it. If I were a pastor and I was 501c3 and I saw that, I, I think well, that would just drop it. I mean, you know, who cares? You know, I mean, it's, it's important to keep the church open. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, know, exactly. I, and, and, and history has shown over and over and over again Christians being persecuted that have always gathered regardless of that. Um, you know, from, from the caves of yesterday to the living rooms of today kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. What about your listeners? What uh, what do they call in? What do they what do they say to you when you interview them? What are you hearing? Um, a lot of them are, are in a, they're really frustrated when they see their their own church doing the things that they did during the pandemic. Um, they just didn't could not believe. Um, one uh, guest I had on there, he had someone where a church member kicked out someone else. I don't know if they were visiting the church. 
but they kicked them out because they weren't wearing their mask. And oh I, I just I could not believe that going on in the church. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it so, just really upset me when I heard that. But that's what's going on. So for 30 years, I well, I went to college. I got a degree in, in uh, safety and spent 30 years in various industries. I can tell you that the size, well, the size of a virus is measured in microns, right, which is like one twenty-five thousandths of an inch. And a virus is at the biggest 60 microns. So the, the cotton masks that people wear do absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, they create more risk because people have a false sense of security in them. Um, so that, that, you know, this all goes back to something you said at the very beginning, which is fear. And the, the, our government and the, the far left, the communist left, uh, are following the playbook and using fear, without a doubt, to push through their communist and, to this point, fascist agenda. Um, but what I want to get to today is, is w- what are you hearing as far as people that are having success and, and finding hope? And, you know, are, are people doing different things or, or giving you, you know, hey, this is what makes me feel better? Are you getting that, that kind of feedback? Going, going. Going back to the word, I think I think during this shutdown, it brought people closer to God going back to word. And I can give, read you one scripture here if you'd like. Absolutely. That is one that gives hope, and it's Psalms 91, 9 through 11. And it says, if we make the Lord our refuge, uh, if you make the most high your shelter, no evil will conquer you. Listen to this. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you for ev- wherever you go. And I think that pertains so much what's going on today. God is going to protect his children. They just have to remember that and have faith. That's where the enemy comes in. The enemy's power is fear. And we're all human. And sometimes we can just, you know, we forget about that. I found that people saying they were uh, getting closer by reading more of their Bible, uh, connecting with other fellow believers, and getting together with the community. You see them going now to the uh, town council meetings, board, uh, the school board meetings, you know, and, and standing up and speaking up. So I yeah. think there is some good coming into this. But that's a lot what I've heard is that people saying they, they're getting back closer to the Lord and seeking his will, what they can do to fight this uh, battle that we're facing. Yes, and we're all in this battle together. Could you reference that psalm again, please? Sure. It's Psalm 91, 9 through 11, and it says, uh, you want me to read it again? No, that's fine. I just wanted to to say it it again for people to go to. Psalms 91, 9 through 11. Excellent. Thank you. Um, So, yeah, so, and what what is the response of our, so of our illegitimate federal government, uh, it is to send jackbooted FBI agents out to break down the doors of of moms who are homeschooling their children at the time and dragging their their daughter up the steps by her hoodie. You know, so make no mistake, folks, what is happening is, is serious and it is a war. It's absolutely a war. But you, if you take stock, like. Like Kilroy is saying, uh, you return to your faith, you nurture your faith. You will, you will know that you know this is this is how I explain it, Kilroy. And my viewers are going to get sick of hearing this, but 
I viewed it like this. I, I had an epiphany when uh, in 54, I'm looking at my life and I'm thinking, really, what's what's a life legacy, right? I mean, three generations in, nobody will remember who you were, you know, four or five generations in, they won't even know you were alive. Uh, so, so the legacy is preserve freedom for the coming generations. And in order to preserve freedom, folks, what do you have to do? You have to restore the the Judeo-Christian Judeo value set that this country was founded on. That's the only way. So we, need you. we need you. I mean, we need all of you out there to, to be soldiers in this cause. So, Kilroy, I know, um, you know, that, um, that your show is, is centered around Christianity. And can you say, are people coming up with or giving you any stories talking about their challenges? Is the, is, do you think the challenges are nationwide as far as the churches go? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they have some of their pastors that are just going to do what the government tells them to do. Um, and a lot of people find out, well, maybe this was never the church for me. It kind of woke them up. Um, yeah, I think it's all across the country like that, all across. And, you know, Jeff, another reference I always remember, too, you remember the story in the Bible in Daniel when they, uh, when the uh, king uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar sent out the, uh, the three teenagers in the furnace, right? You know, mm -hmm. you got uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Epidano. Uh, they, they send them into the uh, furnace. And, and how did God uh, help them? He sent an angel in there, and they were not scorched. So I believe that the, that's what we're in now in this country. We are in the furnace, and I really believe, uh, you know, if we do the right thing and, and trust God and, and, and do what he says, we're not going to get scorched. This enemy is not going to destroy us, and I think you're starting to see uh, God exposing the, the evil. Uh, you see things starting to fall apart. Um, you see them panicking because they wouldn't be doing the things they're doing because they know, you know, <laughs> they're running out of things. They're running out mm -hmm. of things. So, and tomorrow's a huge day because you have the several states that are bringing the lawsuit to the Supreme Court on part of the, the state's attorneys generals. That uh, all comes out of Mike Lindell's effort on this past election. So it'll be interesting to see what the Supreme Court does. Have been disappointed on a regular basis by the mm -hmm. so-called conservative yeah. court. Uh, so w when we were talking about the churches and, and you had mentioned that, you know, a lot of pastors and ministers and priests just follow what the law is saying. So the law enforcement agencies, um, I struggle with that every day. Why would a peace officer follow uh, an, a command and order that is not constitutional and I think that is telling of the absence of faith and especially the attack on Christianity and our, our education system. So people, faith is, faith is awesome. It's great to have faith, uh, but it also has to come with activity. And, yeah. you know, this is why I was, uh, I'm, I'm here. This is why you're here. We are putting ourselves out there. We're kind of the messengers. We look for interesting people to share an important message, um, you know. But what words do you say to the individuals who just haven't? Maybe they're letting fear get to them too much. Maybe they just haven't got off 
the couch yet? And what what, what kind of message do you tell people uh, to get involved? Well, I, I simply, especially if they're believers, I remind them of, of what God says and what he has done. And they have to remember what he has done past in their life because everyone has always had storms in their life. I mean, Jesus says we will always have tribulation until he returns. And it also gives me an opportunity, the ones that are not followers or believers, it gives me an opportunity to witness to them and, you know, show them and just, you know, have them to just, if they're willing to listen, to open up their eyes, hopefully. And yes. uh, so the, that's basically what, what, what I've come across. Um, yeah, some people, you know, we're, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say we're we're not we're in this situation and it's all because of the church and it is because the church has all has left their guard down and let the government come in. I mean, look at all the rights we've lost. I mean, they took prayer out of school. Where was the church? The abortion. Where was the church? And I think that we're all going to pay the heavy price for this. Well, um, well, not only abortion, people, but abortion in the third trimester. Some people no, pushing yeah. for some people pushing for straight out murder up to two years old. And yes. that is the party of the left today. And, yes. And and that's why, you know, I'm sorry, but a, a lot of hosts won't do this, but I certainly will. These people are enemies. Enemies, mm -hmm. period. You know, evil. They, they're pure evil. I would I yes. would so welcome the Democratic Party of JFK back into the fold, mm -hmm. you know. Yes. Uh, yes. But now he'd be a radical right winger. So, so folks, yep. what, what we're saying is this, that, you know, um, getting in the fight actually makes you feel good, and that to me is is important to understand. That you know, play, uh, place your faith in God, uh, get in the fight, and you will feel better. And I think every person has something they can contribute. If you're an artist, uh, you know, I'd love to have an artist that does political cartoons that are faith based, or you know, anything mm -hmm. like that. I mean, there's always yeah. something for everybody, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. He's given us gifts. We just need to know to use them or how to use them. And if you don't know what gift you have, ask him. He will definitely reveal that to you because um, he, that's what he's built in you as a gift. you know. Yeah. And, and, and today, the, uh, I think we're repeating the history in the Bible a little bit because we, 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 uh, we still have our Goliaths. We still have that furnace I was telling you about. We have the evil pharaohs, and the devil's still running around with his demons. So... And I think that we should feel honored that the, the Lord has chosen people like you and I, Jeff, uh, to fight this battle. He knew that we would be the ones to do this, to, to join his army and, and, you know, reach out the, the word to people about what's going on. Everybody, everybody can contribute. It doesn't matter. All you have to do is understand that the mission is important enough, that this is, this is something that we are here to do. And if you don't think you have a talent, then support people who are doing something else. Support, yeah. you know. Uh, so, so there really is there really is no excuse, folks. And the the number one thing I think is to get over fear. To get over yes. fear. That yes. is, I mean, if you if you let fear control you and you don't do anything, then you're only letting them win, and it's only going to get worse. Yep. The fear, fear doesn't come from the Lord. It comes from the enemy. And, you know, that's where he can really knock you down if you allow it to. Yes. So, yeah, you are so right, Jeff. It's, it, that's where it comes in. And that's where the, uh, the, the government or the evil pharaoh government, as I call it, uh, that's where they do. They know the fear. I mean, look what happened at the beginning. That's why a lot of people jumped 
because of fear, and they they went and hid and took the you know what. Yes. And that's that was part of fear. Instead of just sitting back a little bit and see you know see what's happening, um, I I hope that the, the courts continue to hold that down for the uh, hundred and more employees of private companies. I thought that was a big victory. I yes. think that's an answer to the prayer, and we just have to continue to pray that that will continue to succeed. Well, there's a there's a you know I mentioned that I was in safety, and there's a there's a standard called bloodborne pathogens, which is 1910-1030, and in that standard, this all happened after HIV/AIDS. In that standard, uh, it addresses specifically vaccinations for hepatitis B, and guess what? Uh, that standard allows for a declination. You have to have an employee fill out a form saying that they were offered the vaccine and they, they declined it. So OSHA has already set precedence on this, and I think if it went to court, they would lose big time because this has been established for so long. Uh, really no difference. I mean, you're talking about hepatitis, hepatitis B and C. If C especially, one time was, you know, certain death. And, mm -hmm. you know, and so... So that's there, but also I think people, you know, you have to get over the fear. You have to, you have to think about how you can uh, do do good or support the cause or whatever it might be. But maybe it's even just talking to other people. And in order to do that, yes. you have to you have to invest time. You have to invest time to get the facts. I just had Karen Kingston on this uh, yesterday's show, and she is fantastic. She has a lot of facts, and you have to be armed with those facts. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, so so would you say what um, what has been a positive for you, Kilroy? What are what are the things that you've seen, whether it's what people are doing or what people are saying? What things actually give you hope when you look at this whole situation? By seeing, you're starting to see the Christian church stand up now. You're starting to see the, the slow wake up. And um, I just got off an interview with a gentleman that he he lives over in the UK and has dual citizenships. And he is bringing his ministry over here to have sometime in the near, very near future a big prayer conference, the prayer for uniting and waking people up Um it, 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 so that just shows you what's going on. And I, so I, I do believe because of hearing, seeing this and hearing this, you, you're starting to, to see that uh, the church is starting to, to finally do something. And I, I, that's where I think the positive is in a, a lot of this. You know, it's a, still got a ways to go, we, but we've come a long way. We really have. It's getting better, isn't it? It really is. Yes. I yes. think people are realizing that uh, we've had it good for a long time and now it's time to actually get up and and put some effort into saving our country yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't you can't expect other people to do it you know you, you you have to do your part and it doesn't like you were saying it doesn't have to be anything really big you know right. you could have it could be something so so small emails phone calls something right you know right exactly and I'll, um, I just did an interview earlier in the week with a couple and uh, Diana is her name. She experienced a near-death experience and talked. It, it really deals with the power of prayer as evidenced by her in that experience. So um, so you're, you're right on. I appreciate you being here. Would you tell people yeah. how to best find you? They can find me on any of the um, 
platforms. I'm on every single one of them uh, from uh, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, uh, Apple, Google, you name it, I'm on there. And in the very near future, I'm going to have a, a web page as well. But that's where they can find me right now. And they can also reach me at an email at the Kilroy Williams Show at gmail.com. The Kilroy Williams Show altogether at yep. gmail.com. Yes, sir. Awesome. Thank you for being here. We'll definitely have you back. Uh, we'll continue to talk about uh, about this, the importance of Christianity, the importance of faith, and uh, whatever else you want to talk about. I enjoyed having you. Thanks very much. Thank you, sir, for having me on. Thank hope you. to see you soon. You're very welcome. Hey, Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. I love my pillow products. I use them. I can say that they are simply the best quality that you will find anywhere. And you can help us all out, all Patriots, including Mike Lindell, and our mission to restore America by going to MyPillow.com today and using code TPR. That stands for the Patriot Review, so it's easy to remember. TPR. Save up to 66%. You can also order by calling 800-519-9927. Again, that's 800-519-9927. Thank you and God bless. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. Closing thoughts, everybody. Again, a quick thank you to Terry and Kilroy, who were both great guests. I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation out there. And I want to tell you just one quick thing that uh, starting next week, we will be having, we're going back to our regular format, and I'll have um, uh, Mr. Bill Warner with us again. And we'll talk a little bit more on Islam. And uh, Ronald Boyd, who is our historian, our contributor, he'll be, he'll be on as well. So, Check that show out next Sunday at four o'clock. One last thing about all this. Now, uh, we talked a lot about faith. We talked about Judeo-Christian values, and that is a whole huge range of things, and, and everybody wants to take uh, stances on one side or the other. But I would just like to point out that at its simplest form, it basically is the Ten Commandments, the golden rule, treat others as you would like to be treated, uh, thou shalt not kill, etc. So those things are simple things that we should all be able to agree on. And we should all be able to agree that every, agree that every individual has rights that cannot be taken away by any government. And those, those are the rights that we're talking about. And on this show, that's what I mean when I say anything like that. I'm talking about individual liberty and freedom, equality, true equality, where everybody has opportunities in, uh, in regards to equity, which is what the communist pushes, you know, that is trying to 
or push the belief that everybody has an equal outcome. And if you have lived more than 10 years on the planet, you know that that's just an impossibility. Everybody does not have the same gifts, talents, etc. So there is no, everybody has the same outcome. There is no equity. So that's, that's what uh, I was really talking about with Kilroy there. It was a pleasure to have both of them on the show. And we'll see you again next week.